My dad took me fly fishing for the first time when I was 14. I think my mom thought we needed to bond. My dad worked late, usually until after I'd gone to bed, and sports and other activities had ramped up for me, so I was almost never home on weekends, which he often worked during anyway. So, the two of us went on a vacation to learn how to fish, a thinly veiled attempt by my mom to forcibly have us within five feet of each other for more than a couple of minutes a week. It worked, and kicked off a hobby in certainly my dad's life where he'd rather be with a few buddies tricking fish into eating something that isn't what they thought it was, more than he wants to do just about anything else in the world. But this podcast isn't about fishing or about my dad. It's about our first fly fishing guide, HR, and something that'll be crazy helpful for your startup, but you know how I do this by now. We're nearly 100 episodes in. I've got to tell you about HR before we can talk about startups. HR was our fishing guide for the five days we fished that year. He was probably 25 at the time, and he told me that HR stood for home run because that's what all the women said he was. He had a big tattoo of a rainbow trout on his forearm and about a half a pound of chewing tobacco in his lip from the time he picked us up at 6 a.m. until the time he dropped us off at 8 p.m., a pinch of which he got me to try while my dad was in the bathroom, and I promptly threw up, which made him explode in laughter. During all those hours on the water, he told us about growing up on a ranch in Montana, about chopping off the heads of rattlesnakes and roping cattle and sneaking into the bar when he was 13, only to mistakenly take the bar stool next to his dad. Oh, and when he cast a fly line, it looks like an extension of his arm. He'd whip the rod back and forth before unfurling a cast that landed a nearly weightless fly on the water 75 feet away, less than an inch from shore, in gusting wind without making so much as a ripple. He never got tired of him or us catching fish. He told us when he went out on the river alone he'd often catch a hundred fish in a day, but he acted like each one was his first, Christmas morning every time. It is beautiful when people end up doing exactly what they were born to do. And for 14-year-old Brian, HR was impossibly cool. Fly fishing is hard and it's awkward when you start. It's kind of like golf, but somehow less forgiving, and every hour or so you end up with a razor-sharp hook in your hand or your neck or your dad. But we had taken a casting lesson before the trip, and I was eager to show HR what I'd learned. I showed off my cast and peppered him with questions about my form, but he waved me off. None of that stuff matters, he said. Your form, the flies you choose to fish with, your rod, your reel, it's all window dressing, he said. Nothing but bullshit. He then told me to listen up, and I did. The only thing about fishing that matters has nothing to do with you. It's got to do with the fish. If you throw a shitty cast with a shitty fly into a 10-foot pool with 75 fish in it, I guarantee you're going to pull one out. If you throw an amazing cast with the perfect fly into a 20-yard stretch of water that only has five fish in it, you're not going to catch anything. It's as simple as that. The point is to catch fish, and to catch fish, the only thing that matters is knowing where the fish are. He then looked me right in the eye and said, I'm going to do something that most guides won't. I'm going to teach you how to find the fish. Over the next five days, he taught us how to read the water, the conditions, the time of day, the bug hatches. He taught us how to put ourselves in the position with the highest likelihood of success. Casting, the thing everyone talked about, the thing everyone romanticized, the thing that was supposed to matter the most, really didn't. Not even close. You catch fish when you're in a place with a lot of fish. End of story. I've never forgotten that. And now, we'll talk about what that's got to do with your startup after a little smooth 2022 jazz. I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox, a monthly membership program that provides structure, strategy, and network to early stage entrepreneurs so that they can flesh out and build their business right. 
It's our new product and we mentioned it the past few weeks and I'm gonna mention it again because I'm absurdly proud of it. We put everything we learned from seven years helping over 350 idea stage entrepreneurs build businesses that are now worth over a billion dollars into this program. It's a clear step-by-step -step path with target metrics that'll take you from idea to product. It's the thing I would have killed for when I was a fresh-faced entrepreneur with a job trying to make progress in the margins, which is why we built it. There are no cohorts for Tacklebox membership anymore. You can join anytime. But for anyone that starts before the end of January, y'all get 40% off the monthly cost for life. It'll cost you about $200 a month to test out and build your startup idea. We're gonna launch 250 businesses this year. One of those might as well be yours. Head to gettacklebox.com and use the code BUILD in 2022 to start. And if you do, I'll see you on Wednesday for a one-on-one strategy session. There's a question that matters more than any other question when you're building a startup. It's a hard question, but for years I've asked it to all the entrepreneurs we work with the first time we meet them. What do you know that other people don't? Basically, what's your secret? Startups are all about secrets. The thing that you know that you can pass along to your customer to make their life better. Eventually, that's a product, but when you start, it isn't. A secret is a pillar you'll organize everything else around. All great companies are anchored by a great secret. When I was in third grade, my best friend told me his most important secret, who he had a crush on. There was nothing I had in life that was more important than that piece of information. And there was nothing harder to keep to myself because I knew how powerful it was to share something that important with someone else. I was overwhelmingly tempted to tell the person that I had a crush on this secret. They happened to be good friends with the person my friend had a crush on, and I knew I'd be giving them something valuable that would maybe build a stronger connection between us. Secrets are never meant to be kept, which is the point. Secrets are meant to be told because they're the currency of trust. HR had a secret. He knew that all the stuff most people were obsessed with wasn't that important. And when he passed that thing on, he built enormous trust. We tried to fish with HR the next year and the year after that, but not surprisingly, he was always booked every day of the season. We ended up seeing him about a decade later in Montana randomly on the river. We recognized him immediately, and he pretended that he recognized us so he wouldn't hurt our feelings. We told him that he was the best guide we ever had, and he smiled and said, because I taught you how to find the fish, right? And he was right. Every other guide we've ever had has kept that a secret. They'd take us to their favorite spots and have us fish there, and sometimes we'd catch a bunch of fish, but it was never the same. He let us in on the secret, so we remembered him. The rest of the guides didn't, and there are no podcasts about them. Secrets equal trust. A great secret has three components. First, who's it for? Second, what will it help them do? And third, the reason that it's still a secret. The first component, who it's for, should be a relief. You don't need to know something that no one else knows. You just need to know something that the customer you specifically hand-chosen doesn't know. HR guided for people who were relatively new to fly fishing. He knew what we'd read leading up to the trip. He knew we'd probably watched a river runs through it, and he knew we'd probably gone to a fly shop or two and talked to the owner about gear. That owner would have gone into detail on which rod was best for what situation and which fly line would blend best into what river. He knew exactly who we were, so he knew that when he told us his secret, it would be fundamentally different from everything else we'd learned. If we were already experts, that secret wouldn't have been all that impactful. They already would have known how to find fish. The second component of a secret is about superpowers. 
how the thing you know will dramatically improve the outcome the person you're telling the secret to wants. This is tougher because you really need to know what your customer wants from you. Again, that means choosing the customer purposefully. HR knew that we wanted to catch fish. We didn't care if they were 24-inch rainbow trout or 10-inch whitefish because we weren't experienced enough to know the difference. Not at first. Fish were fish, and he got us fish. He also knew that we wanted to belong. And telling us that secret, letting us in on the thing that everyone else held so close to the vest, where the fish were, making us feel like we were part of his stories, that was amazing. Hat tip to Seth Godin as always, people like us do things like this, and we wanted to be the type of people who caught fish and he let us do that. Finally, the last component of a great secret is the reason it's a secret in the first place. This is the engine that powers people to share it. People love sharing things that are counterintuitive, and HR's secret was. Everyone and their brother told us about how important it was to learn how to cast, and then HR told us it didn't matter. That's good stuff. Simple is hard, but once you've got something simple, something like, I'll teach you where the fish are, everything falls into place behind it. Everything HR did or said about fishing was always with that North Star in mind, always reinforcing that core message. He'd look up and say, look at those ripples. What's that mean, Brian? Look at that current. What's that mean? Where are the fish, Brian? But you've got to start with a simple, important secret. And now, we'll talk about how to whittle all the things you know into the one important thing that can be that organizing principle, and why it's so, so hard for humans to do this. Lydie Klotz, an engineer, and Gabrielle Adams, a social psychologist, both from the University of Virginia, have done research on a hypothesis super relevant to this pod. Their hypothesis is that when faced with a problem, people tend to create or select solutions that involve adding new elements rather than taking existing elements away. Here's a quote. We wanted to investigate whether and to what extent people actually overlooked subtraction when they're tasked with changing things, Adam says. Their investigation, quote, wasn't literature driven because there's no academic literature on this phenomenon. It was really just putting our heads together to try and think up why this might be the case. The researchers carried out a number of tests, including asking 91 participants to make a pattern they were given symmetrical by either adding or removing colored boxes. Just 20% subtracted, while 80% added. In another experiment, the team scanned through 651 past proposals for improving the campus at the university, with only 11% proposing eliminating something that already existed, and 89% proposing adding something new. To try to figure out why people add rather than subtract, the team conducted eight experiments where more than 1,500 people were asked to stabilize the roof of a Lego structure that had one unstable block holding it up. The reward for completing the assignment was a dollar, and participants could add new blocks for 10 cents apiece, or they could remove blocks for free. The majority of participants added blocks rather than removing them. When reminded that removing blocks was free, more people removed the painfully obvious one shaky block, but still, the majority added blocks to try to stabilize the structure with the shaky single block foundation still there. Further experiments showed that as situations became more complex, the strategy of removal got less and less likely. It was far harder for people to think up subtractive solutions than additive ones when things got hairy. And unfortunately, startups are hairy. Quote, Additive solutions have sort of a privileged status. They tend to come to mind quickly and easily, said Benjamin Converse, a social psychologist at the University of Virginia and a co-author of the study. 
Subtractive solutions are not necessarily harder to consider, but they take more effort to find. Further, the authors, quote, convincingly demonstrate that we tend to not consider subtractive solutions as much as additive ones, said Tom Mavis, a consumer psychologist at New York University who reviewed the study. He said that while we already knew businesses and organizations tended to opt for complexity rather than simplification, this study showed that people tend toward adding new features, quote, even when subtracting would clearly be better. The best secrets, the ones that'll anchor your best business and spread the fastest, are the simplest, which means they're probably subtractive. But our instincts are always to add rather than subtract, to clutter those secrets, to tell a laundry list of things we'll be able to do, to confuse and overwhelm our customer until they don't get it, and to overwhelm ourselves with more than one organizing principle. Simplification is maybe the single biggest challenge we've had with our startups. Entrepreneurs look at a system and try to make it better, and to do that, they add on top, when the more unique and differentiated approach would almost always be to take away. They think leaving things out will hurt their chances, when in reality, it's the only shot they've got. A simple startup is very, very hard at first, but then it'll become straightforward once you've organized it properly around that single secret for a single customer. It's the first week of January, which means you're probably cranking through some resolutions. It also means we're all being bombarded with self-help products. That's mostly bad, but occasionally good because some businesses do this really well. I saw an ad for a dieting service recently that had the best secret I'd seen in a while. The ad went something like, what you eat doesn't impact weight gain, only the combination of what you eat does. Their secret was that your body's job is to digest food and it doesn't always do that well. Some foods, when digested alone, are no problem, but when combined, they wreak havoc. One part chicken plus one part mozzarella is far worse than the two separate. The program suggested that eating certain foods together, for example, combining starch and protein, was 10x harder to digest than eating starch at one meal and protein at the next. This was mind-blowing. It was counterintuitive. It was simple. It flew in the face of the balanced meal line of thinking. I remembered it. It's an organizing principle. The whole business can, and hopefully is, anchored on that one insight. Every feature will be built around helping specific people combine their food properly. I have no idea if it works or if it's a good idea for you to try, but I do know it was memorable. It was a good secret. They subtracted everything in the diet world that had to do with what was good and what was bad in favor of a clean, simple structure of six food groups and which paired well for digestion. It often feels like subtracting, taking away, is never the answer. But that's usually just because it's not the first thing to come to mind. Humans have to force ourselves to think that way. My fishing guide HR saying that all these complex things I'd seen and heard and been overwhelmed by didn't matter was enormously impactful. If you can say to your customer, hey, you know that thing you really want? You know all those people that say you need X and Y and Z to get it? You don't. You actually just need B. And here's how to do it you're going to be in really good shape. Find a secret that matters to your customer, understand how to ruthlessly double down on it, and you'll be in business. And if you're looking for a secret, or if you've got a great one already, join Tacklebox. As I said, membership is 40% off through January, and we'd love to help you build. Get tacklebox.com, code build in 2022. See you next week.